0: I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR, or HR director, Or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical, and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level and the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you or you can learn more by going to my website Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme, but if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to episode 12 of the HR Coffee Time podcast with me, your host, Faye Wallace. If we haven't met before, I'm a career coach and an outplacement specialist with a background in HR, and I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. I've made the HR Coffee Time podcast especially for you to help you have a successful and fulfilling HR career without having to work yourself into the ground. And in this week's episode, you get to meet the wonderful Sally Dillon. Now, Sally specialises in supporting women returning to work after a career break, so I thought she'd be a great person to bring on. Because if you're listening to this and you're on a career break or have recently returned to work, I knew she'd have some brilliant advice for you. But if you're not and you're in your HR role and you've been thinking about what you can put in place for people in your organisation who have had time out, then she has massive of advice for you. And she also points out that this work can be a brilliant way of ensuring that we keep women in the workplace and increase their chances of making it into the senior roles, which will help to address the depressing gender pay gap that I know exists in so many organisations. So I really hope that you enjoy the episode and that you find it helpful. Hi Sally, thank you so much for joining me today on the show, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you, Faye. It's it's lovely to come here. And it would be great before we dive into the whole interview, if you could just share a little bit about your background and the work that you do now.
1: Yes. So um, currently I run a business called Career Mums, which is a social enterprise supporting women in their careers. Um, Before that, I've worked, um, I've had a 16 year career in HR, doing lots of different types of HR roles from generalist to specialist, um, working in various different sectors. Um, and um, my the, the thing that happened between those two, um, so from having a HR career to supporting women in their careers, was that I had a huge amount of time out focusing on family priorities.
0: Okay, wonderful. That's great. And um, so when you say that you support women with their career, what kind of things do you, you and career mums do?
1: Okay, so the, we mostly support women back to work after having a career break. So having had very personal experience, both myself and Nishi, my business partner, having had very personal experiences of struggling to get back into, um, into work after having career breaks ourselves, we realised that given that I had a HR background. She had a recruitment and employability background that if we were struggling, there must be lots of other women like us out there who must equally be struggling and facing lots of different barriers to help them on their way. So that was our motivation for starting up the business.
0: And I thought it might just be worth mentioning, it may be interesting to people who are listening, that we've known each other for a few years now. And obviously, we're both career coaches, but with, with quite different specialisms. And I have come to you for mentoring before when i had some clients approaching me who were women who wanted to return to their careers and they'd had extended career breaks and i just felt well yes although i have got the coaching skills to support them i knew that it was your absolute area of expertise so you very kindly shared some of your methods and thoughts and tools with me so i have seen firsthand how brilliant you are at this work and actually it made me also decide that I would just refer any clients on to you who came to me who were in that position, because it's really important to me that anyone who comes to Bright Sky for help with their career gets the best possible support. And so if I think there is another coach who will be better than me in one particular area or better than the other coaches who I have on my team, I'll always refer them on. So thank you for taking such good care of several clients who have come to me over the years. They've always, you know, been absolutely thrilled with the service that they've received.
1: Thank you very much, Faye. I was just talking to one person that you've referred to me this morning. So, um, and, and it's, it, yeah, it's it's been great. I feel as though we've been on our career coaching journey together over the last,
0: must be five years now. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, we must have known each other for five years. I can't believe it. Oh, where's all the time going? <laughs> I Maybe mean, we might meet in person one day as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's weird to think. We haven't actually ever met yeah, in are. person. <laughs> Hooray for Zoom. <laughs> but anyway, before I start um, yeah, going off completely down the wrong path, I better bring us back to the main part of the interview. So I thought it would be wonderful to have you on as a guest for so many different reasons. But I guess primarily because you have such a wealth of knowledge to share around supporting women in the workplace so one of the areas that you're particularly passionate about and particularly skilled at is helping people who are returning to work which obviously you've already mentioned but there I know that there are other aspects to the work that you do as well but let's focus on that whole returning piece so what do you think some of the barriers are for people who are returning to the workplace having taken a break
1: okay um the barriers um, are some real structural barriers within the employment market and um, the recruitment methods that are used. And some of the barriers are more internal to do with an individual's level of confidence, their, their, their sense of what they want to do next um, And also their experiences of, um, say, for example, if they've, they've been on maternity leave and they're going back to their current employer, some of the barriers may be around how they have been supported or not by their employer during that period of time also how i think one of the one of the biggest things that doesn't perhaps get uh, acknowledged so much um, for people particularly with a young family is how close are they to their extended family and friends how much network do they have um, around them as a family unit to enable that return to work um, process to to happen smoothly um, so um, I know that there's lot, been lots of discussion in Parliament and in the media recently about the cost of childcare. And you know th- those childcare decisions and the understanding of the total cost of childcare, the financial cost of, of childcare, can be limiting factors in whether a, a woman can continue in her career or not. Um, And that's I'm saying a woman because um, you know as we know, whilst there are some some fantastic examples of of um, couples taking shared parental leave, we know that in where there is a, a father involved, they are more likely to progress in their career. At around the time of becoming a parent, whereas a mother isn't likely to is likely to impact negatively on their career progression, salary progression, retirement savings, all those kind of things that are important to sustaining family finances and fam- family life. So, um, so those are ba- just a, a, a number of barriers that I've that, that I've, I've shared. Lots of others barriers would be in place for people depending on different types of, of, of the, the reason for, for the career break. Um, it could be down to health issues. We've have recently supported a number of people who've been suffering with mental health issues over the last couple of years, I think exasperated by the by the pandemic, but finding employers who are able to support a more phased return and a supported return for people who have, you know, sort of been struggling with their health, whether it's physical or, or mental. Back into the workplace um, when it could, you know, even for, for any of us, whether we've had health issues or not, when we're starting a new job, it can be quite daunting and overwhelming at the best of times. So if you've had a time out, struggled with mental health, struggled with confidence, lost that sense of who you were when you were a working person, that, that, that sense of identity, then it's really important to, we feel it's very important to feel supported so that you can actually transition smoothly back into work and then continue and, you know, continue and hopefully succeed within the, within the job role and continue in the career.
0: So for anyone listening to this who thinks, oh, yes, you know, everything that you're saying resonates, it's really important to make sure that we are putting the right support in place. What does that actually look like from a practical point of view if um, you're working in the people or the HR team and you want to make sure that you are being as supportive and helpful as possible?
1: I would suggest it, it, it really very much depends on the values of your organisation. So I think, um, you know, when I go back to my HR career, which was pre-millennium pre-millen, for, for, for most of it, welfare and well-being were just not words that were around Welfare as a, as a term within HR had somehow gone out with the 1970s and kind of early 80s and we were very much fo- focused on uh, commercial delivery of, of organisational strategy, real kind of human resources management and so now I think that we've, we've really progressed but not all HR departments, not ho- all HR professionals, not all organisations have, have progressed at the same rate together. So now what would be, and I'd ideal scenario would be that the organisation through the HR professionals have appropriate well-being policies in place appropriate support to enable people to feel supported on their on their returns something that we do through our sister company cm talent is offer external maternity coaching services to support people around to wrap around their their periods of leave whether they're taking maternity leave paternity leave or adoption leave something you know sort of and so having having services like that accessible to people within your organization can be really really helpful and really provide you know that sense of welcoming people into the organization whatever their background which will then add to the mix of diversity and inclusion within the organization
0: and so one of the things you mentioned there was maternity coaching what does that actually look like in practice
1: OK, so the way I mean, the, the, there's different models, but the way that um, the, the way that we run it is that we have one to one coaching sessions with an employee be, be, a couple of sessions before they leave, go on to leave to help them prepare from the transition from their working um, you know, from from their work scenario, from their job into their leave into their period of leave some kind of things that we'll focus on there is the communication with their manager getting that set up for how it's going to work smoothly during their their period of leave and what are the expectations and for some people um, some people like to be kept in touch and kept in contact with what's going on within their job role whilst they're on leave other people don't it's a you want to have a total total break and we, through through the coaching, we enable people to think through how they want their leave to be and that to manage that relationship with their employer and with their line manager and with their colleagues. Also, preparing for maternity leave is really important, particularly the time before the baby is born. If you have the opportunity to have a, a week or you know, a couple of days or a week or so um, to prepare, if you've been in a really, really busy job, Constantly on and available, then it's very difficult to then suddenly for that to stop and to be thinking about well, gosh, well, what, what do I do now? So, so just helping people to, to 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 create strategies for enabling them to have the best start to their their leave period as possible. Then the the support continues during their period of leave with some further one to one coaching sessions that we generally do over video conferencing to help to. Well, to have the opportunity to have a space to reflect on the adjustment to becoming a working parent, particularly important if it's first child, but nonetheless, if it's a second or third um, or more child, and also preparing for the return to work using kit days, using facilities available to transition smoothly back into a work role. So within that, we cover not only what's required from um, from the employer's point of view, but also the logistics and the practicalities about making it work from a, a family and home point of view as well, uh, including things like settling child into childcare situation. And then we also finish with a couple of sessions after the individual has returned to their employer to ensure that these. That they're settling into their work role. The chances are that given the given the length of maternity leave now, which typically is a year plus ho- accrued holiday, um, the chances are that most people will be returning to a role that is different in some way to the one that they left. So looking forward, you know, how's the adjustment going? And also, what are they imagining for their future career developments and working around that around their current? new additional family members as well
0: yes because as well as going into a different role what I definitely found when I went back to work from maternity leave was I couldn't believe how different the company felt in such a short period of time there were so many new faces there different projects that had started different projects that had ended although obviously I I knew a lot of the people who were there it almost felt like starting again
1: it de- definitely, definitely, and I think that you know. So, particularly people that are returning at the moment post pandemic, we've been supporting people recently who are working from home for the first time ever, where whereas their colleagues have been working from home for you know to the best part of the last eighteen months, and so that in itself could be quite a quite a shift, quite a change maybe welcome maybe not also supporting people with flexible working requests that we often we often get involved in that because you know a desire to Perhaps work fewer hours, or have adjust their work situation in a way that perhaps they're working from home or closer to childcare for a couple of days a week rather than than, than commuting. All those kind of things are, I guess, we're there as a, a, a confidant, but with with some expertise around the situation to really help them feel able to have a confident return. And a confident continuation in their career. And one thing that we we know for sure is that the time of parenthood, the time of becoming a parent, a new parent, is the most vulnerable time in a woman's career. So if we can get the environment and we can get kind of all the the, the factors um, in place at that critical leave time, then. Hopefully, that will enable that mother, that new parent to continue in their career and de- continue to develop and contribute fully to their organization, which will then kind of h- help to address some of the structural problems that we have and st- some of the structural longer term barriers to why you know so women don't succeed more in their careers so that we can actually have m- develop more women leaders.
0: Well, that's brilliant. So That leads on perfectly to the next question that I had really wanted to ask you, which is, what are the consequences of not getting this right and not putting the support in place?
1: Well, the consequences are what you know. Essentially, the, the the current situation that we have now, where the majority, you know, the, the the amount of maternity discrimination that continues to go on within within this country, and we're not alone in in, in just being the only country that it happens to. But you know, maternity discrimination is such a a huge factor where women don't feel as though they're able to continue in their in in their employment because of the way that they have been um, treated or the circumstances of Around um, around their their period of leave, so so it's it, it's the kind of the, the discrimination that goes on, but also it's the lack of equality that we end up with within an organisation where we have we continue to have more men, more senior men within running organisations, and more women in lower paid, lower status roles. And that is exasperated if you're a woman of colour or if you have disabilities or any other barriers within within the way.
0: Yes. And I guess where there has now become a focus on gender pay gap reporting, I think it's really, really shone a light on it. I know the first year that all of the results came out, even though I've known about all of this stuff for a really long time, it still felt quite a shock when you realised. What a massive difference there was! Absolutely shocking,
1: so shocking. And you know, so that I I left my HR career almost 18 years ago now, and expected there to have been progress during that time. Clearly, it wasn't you know, sort of my responsibility, but you know, so I expected to come back to into uh, the workplace after having my kind of long career break, and expecting them to, to see a change. But there, it's it's been. Small, tiny steps, there's still a a long way to go. And part of addressing that, the the gender pay inequalities, is the structural things like supporting parents on becoming parents in the workplace, allowing, you know, sort of encouraging fathers to take shared parental leave, providing the best circumstances and and arrangements for somebody who's been on leave to return to. Putting things in place for people that have had longer career breaks, say so for example they weren't able to continue within their career because of the I don't know the, the cost of childcare then making sure that there's arrangements in place to bring people with experience back into the workplace later on. And you know, over the last few years, we've seen for, for some organisations they have had some huge success with running returnship programmes, which we'd love to see more of. And putting the structural things in place to help more women develop in their careers to, to stay in their careers so that we can get to a place where there are more senior women in organisations. It's the norm rather than the the, the, rarity. And that that will then bring about the much needed cultural change within organisations as well.
0: And uh, you touched on returnships there. That's another thing I really wanted to ask you about. So I'm assuming you've had some sort of experience and encounters with returnships yourself.
1: We have. So certainly we've designed some returnship programmes for, for employers where we have supported people backing to work on structured uh, returnship programs um, they work really well we're also doing through through career mums uh, through the social enterprise we're doing um, some funded programs to get people back into work um, as groups of people through supportive programs and then into enabling them to find their own follow their own path and find their own employment that's really Taking the opportunity to support them through the job search process, their preparation for, for for getting back to work, and the transition into their new roles as well. And all it takes is you know it, it take it's not rocket science. This it's it's taking some support at the time when people need it, and allowing people to feel positive and hopeful about their future.
0: And just in case anyone hasn't actually heard of returnships before, could you just explain exactly what they are?
1: Yes, yeah, sure. They're, so they are almost like a, a, an intern, a, a paid internship for. For grown-ups, for more mature people, Um, so for it's it's a way of um, getting experienced, skilled people back into the workforce um, by putting on a structured program, almost like a graduate hiring program. Uh, So you would have a specific campaign to recruit. From the um, you know from from your with your defined skill base that you, that you're looking to bring into an organisation, and then you would provide a, a period of development to enable them to to get up to speed with whatever their function is within within the organisation. So typically, a way that a returnship would work is that a returner would be given a project of say either three months or six months where they're paid for that project, and then at the end of the returnship period. Um, along with some coaching supporters as as they go through it, then there would be the decision as whether that's going to work for the long term and a permanent hiring decision made. If obviously if the if the person's the right for the organisation, if it's worked worth both ways.
0: Well, that's great to hear. I didn't um, actually know that you've designed and helped with returnships before. I hadn't realised you had such hands-on practical experience. Of that, so when you have been helping to design those programs, what kind of roles have you seen the returnships being set up for?
1: Mm -hmm. So most organisations that use returnship programs use them for um, particular to bring back particular skills into the organisation that they perhaps are struggling to hire through normal routes. So, say for example, it's a law firm and you have you know, one of the challenges is that we need more to, to, to have better inclusion and diversity for that organisation, which for, for lots of um, organisations is a top priority these days, thankfully. Then rather than waiting 10, 20 years to get an a, an, an experienced new hire lawyer to hopefully be retained within the organisation, it's a way of bringing back experienced talent. So so if there's a particular shortage of, say, lawyers with a particular, um, within a particular field then put a returnship program together for that particular skills base. Or it may be that it's a general, other organizations use it in, in more of a general way to just bring in more senior talent back into the organization with a, with the potential to progress to senior leadership positions.
0: And what have some of the successes been that you've seen through returnships?
1: So, what we love to see with the, the retention, some of the retention programs that we've supported, is where people have actually not only transitioned into their new working environment well, but have also then gone on to progress and have you know, been promoted within. You know, we certainly had examples of um, people that have been promoted within a year of being back in an organisation and gone to that next level. And again, that's, it comes down to who they're targeting when they're, when they're bringing people on board onto returnship programmes, but then equally how they're supported, in, uh, particularly in the first couple of months, but also a sense of the, the potential, uh, you know, seeing the potential that they have for the future.
0: Oh, it must be so great when you see that sort of progress and the programmes working so well. Definitely, definitely.
1: And I think, you know, the pandemic has put returnships on hold for certain organisations where they've obviously had to focus on more operational matters. Um, But we're certainly hoping and and seeing the the shoots start to to appear again, of of getting returnships off the ground again now in our relatively post-pandemic world.
0: (laughs) And so... Bunching the two things together, returnships and then just the general support for people returning to work after a career break. Uh, Have you got any examples for us of things you've seen companies do particularly well, whether that's initiatives they've set up or grassroots things that have occurred that have really supported their people with making that return successfully?
1: So, the types of things that work really well is where the operational, you know, what's happening for for an individual, the support that's happening for an individual, links through to the, the kind of the strategy of the organisation and the values of the organisation. So, if we say that we want to be more inclusive as an organisation, mm-hmm. then in my mind, that's also been really, it's really important to be inclusive for working parents, as yes, in my area of specialism and by being inclusive for working parents then seeing measures in place policies in place you know sort of networks in place to support people to support working parents to be the best that they can be in their organization then that's when it's going to, when it's going to work so for larger organizations having things like um, a parents or a parents and carers network set up having services like maternity and paternity coaching set up having um, access to specific support when the need arises like for example we run a a working parents coaching that can be for for a number of organizations that can be accessible for at the time of need just for a few short sessions say for example i don't know there's some relationship difficulties or or a child struggling to transition to a new school Um, at that point of need that's when it's important that the organisation ha- can have offer something to that individual to, that's going to help them on their way. They're not going; to, they're going to be more present at work. They're going to be less distracted if they've got a, a way of um, helping to resolve that particular problem. And we know, as parents ourselves, say that you know, sort of each life stage of, of, of a ch- child growing up has got its um, has got its joys, but equally it has its challenges. So we never we never know what's around the corner either. So having um, having very tactical things set up um, to support people that's linked to an overall strategy and and priority for an organisation. I think that's when it works best.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing that. So we focused mainly on the kind of support that we can put in place for people returning to work having had a career break but what if the person returning to work is ourself so for anyone who's listening to this who may be on leave at the moment or may have had an extended break from work what tips would you give to them with regards to either finding their next role or transitioning back into the company that they worked for before the leave
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think my Best piece of advice would be to not not do it alone um, so reach out for support so there's you know we're not the only career coaches that are operating in this in this space um, there has been quite an increase over over the last few years having a coach there is like having a helping hand um is somebody that can has you know can share some experience can help and guide you on your journey really support you and, and perhaps challenge you, your thinking as well, but really help you to feel confident and optimistic about what the future can hold. Often, particularly if you've been on a career break, the feelings that most often get reported are feelings of isolation and lacking confidence, as well as losing our identity, losing professional identity. And they're quite big kind of psychological things to get your mind around so with with support from somebody else and again you know you may have a fantastic trusted friend who can enable you to do this but know that you're not alone and that there is help and support available to do that something that we're very keen to do as as career mums we're a social enterprise which means that we're a non-profit making organization and so that enables us to keep our Prices low for people that are doing self-funded coaching, at a time when they need it most. You know, perhaps there's you know finances are, are, are not um, readily available. So we do what we can to keep our one-to-one coaching costs as as low as we can, and therefore as accessible as we can. Our typical coaching program only lasts three three sessions. So again, it's, we kind of try and keep it as quick and effective and efficient as possible, rather than you expecting to sign up for some long, never ending program of uh, coaching program. Majority of people we can, we can support within those three sessions. A couple will always have a, um, an additional one or a, an additional lot set of three, but in the most part, that's enough to really get somebody getting, working out what it is they want to do, have the practical tools to to, to go and make it happen and feel emotionally supported and along the way.
0: I think the point that you made about knowing that you're not alone, is such an important one and that that feeling of isolation that can happen. I know that when I had my first baby I was the first out of my friendship group to have a baby and I just felt so alone and like I had no idea what I was doing and um, I was used to being at work where you might get a pat on the back for doing a job well but of course the baby never says thank you, <laughs> never does half the things that you would ideally like them to do like sleep or stop crying and just not really having anyone to talk to i found it you know really hard and one of my friends who has got two little well they're guessing bigger now but two children she's quite senior one of the big four and what i thought was really interesting was she started having women contact her throughout the organization to say could they have a chat with her because they'd seen that she had managed to carry on with her career and seemingly had returned to work quite smoothly after having had both children. And I thought it was a really interesting example of how there does, yes, there should be formal support in place. I completely agree with that, but actually those informal things, like you were saying about talking to a friend, if you can, they ended up sort of forming this informal little network of new mums or mums who had been back at work for a little while, where they could just chat about things and ask each other for advice and share experiences of how they were finding work or the return to work. And I thought it was wonderful to hear that story and to see how they were supporting each other. Yeah,
1: it it is. And there's lots of examples of that kind of um, informal network, sometimes more formalised networks taking place, particularly around the larger employers. I think we've always got to think about the smaller employers and whether they are getting the support and having that type of conversation and we we run an online um, community group called called the career mums club group that's free to join which we hope to provide that level of um, conversation and Also, um, something that we've been involved in is is training parents to be mentors within organisations or buddies so that they have got not just that being a friend, but also have got some skills to really support other people, as well as being able to bring their experience into it as well.
0: Ah, yes, that sounds like a great thing to bring a mentoring scheme around. I've not Oh, I must have heard of that before, but I feel like I haven't. I feel like I haven't. No, that's great. Thank you for mentioning that as well. And Sally, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or wants to learn more about the work that you do and more about Career Mums, what are the best ways for them to do that?
1: Um, the best way is probably through our website, which is um, career-mums.co.uk. We're on all the social media platforms as well, which I'm sure you'll link link to from here.
0: And you know, I'm on LinkedIn, Sally Dillon.
1: You can find me easily there.
0: Yes, I'll make sure that I put all of the links in the show notes so that people can easily find their way to you on LinkedIn or to the website. That's absolutely fine. And I'll put in the other social media accounts that Career Mums has too. And then before I say a final goodbye, it would be wonderful if you have got a favourite book recommendation that you would be happy to share with everybody.
1: I'm going to recommend this book, which is Fears to Fierce* by Britta Fernandez-Schmidt. And it's a woman's guide to owning her own power. And this book is beautifully written by Britta, who we've had the pleasure of meeting, um, where she talks about how she juggled her career, along with family life and lots of aspirations that she had, and the reality of what happens as we age and, you know, life happens to us. So that's my recommendation for today.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, that's one book that I haven't read and we haven't had recommended already. So thank you so much for sharing it. And it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. And I'm sure that we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very much, Faye. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, I'd be hugely grateful if you'd be kind enough to rate and review the podcast for me on Apple Podcasts, because that makes a huge difference in encouraging Apple to show the podcast to more people. And I'll be back next week with another great episode for you. But in the meantime, have a wonderful week.